0: it is monday night and we are live i am justin also known as the diy audio guy and i'm joined as always by my partner in crime nick from toys diy audio nick tell me what you've been up to
1: N- nothing <laughs> now we I, we've been up to it we've been up to a lot we had some uh, personal things going on uh and then uh we just started working we started finishing up the garden today. So that was good. I'm finally glad we celebrated Mother's Day today because my wife worked yesterday. So Went and there got you sushi. go, sushi, sushi Mother's Day, sushi for Mother's Day. Oh, that's what she wanted. And I'm all for it. I love sushi. My uh,
0: my wife wanted s'mores for Mother's Day. So we, <laughs> we grilled out and then uh, and then later in the evening, we uh, fired it back up and we had s'mores on the back porch and, and enjoyed some uh, some good quality family time.
1: Oh, that's great, man. That sounds like
0: fun. Good, good. Who all have we got in the uh, in the chat? Looks like we got a few people popping in here. Some some of the regulars. There's Regular Guy Audio has arrived. Nice. 25 Hertz to Life is there. Uh, get some. Used to be Get Some Gaming, wasn't it? It's changed, I guess. I don't think we've met Fusion. Uh, there's that Hertz. And yeah. there's another name I saw a second ago that I don't recognize in the chat. Fusion Density. It's oh good from to Hong have. Kong. What's that? Nice. He's from Hong Kong uh he's not from hong kong he was just uh just messing with us he's from someplace even cooler louisiana (laughs) well we'll take a crawdad boil next time we come there you go (laughs) well it is uh it is a monday night which means we go live and uh nick i got a question for you uh you ever been much into video gaming
1: Yes, yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I, <laughs> You're I, like, dang it, you've ruined my whole segue. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I had a whole thing I was going to talk about. So um. <laughs>
1: yes, I, I am. I, I, that's computer actually does video game. I actually have. And you know that I have a racing simulator set up in the other room. I even have a MAME arcade, a few other things. And then, of course, this computer set up and, and in the theater room, we have a gaming system hooked up there, which is nice, too.
0: Okay. I haven't been a big gamer in a long time. I uh, never have been into console games, but I got big into computer games a few years back and um, never enough to really like run a fancy computer or anything. Uh, the computer I'm running now is, uh, gosh, I got it in 2016. It's, uh, it's eight years old. <laughs> I didn't even edit on uh, that thing. <laughs> I know. I mean, it still edits video just fine. I added a bunch of RAM to it and a uh, upgraded the hard drive to a solid state drive. And so it's able to edit okay. It's probably time to upgrade. Now that I think about it, it's, it's it's probably getting toward the end of its useful life. But one of the things I remember from back in the day, it's been 15 years since I was serious about playing any games, was uh, one really important thing when gaming is your frame rate.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it all depends, especially if you're doing first person shooter and you're doing competitive online gaming. That's really important. I used to play a game called
0: uh, Diablo, Diablo 2. Anybody in the chat played some Diablo 2? I wasted so many hours playing that. And the thing I remember about... I haven't played that, that,
1: but I played The Devil 2.
0: Ah, I haven't played that one. Not familiar with it. But the frame rate was always important, right? And the thing that I learned back then was that you wanted high frame rates, but the reality is you didn't need anything better than about 30 frames per second because anything faster than that your eyes really couldn't pick it up
1: got gotcha. right you needed what more than 30 Thir- frames per in, second? In, in anything more than 30 frames per second really wasn't necessary i i don't know about that i mean most people want 240 or whatever because their frame rate and their lag rate but Right. Anybody down in the chat, what is the, what is the
0: fastest frame rate that a human eye can really see? I mean, what's the, I mean, once you get above a certain number of frames per second, what's at what point is it like, yeah, anything faster than that. Our eyes can't tell the difference between 30 frames and 60 frames.
1: It's definitely bigger than 30. Dev Null says 30 is horrible. Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm looking and it says that it's between 30 and 60 supposedly. I don't know. Okay,
0: uh, I don't know. What's uh, what's that got to do with anything? It's a good question. <laughs> Devs dull says 120 minimum. So I I forget where I remember reading this at, but uh, it's it's just something we have to worry about. Like lights, like um, our our lights in our house, good old fashioned filament light bulbs, they flicker at 60 hertz, 60 cycles per second. Why? Because that's what the AC current that runs through our our, our homes uh, is cycled on, right? The Super Ranger mud truck says that he can see a difference between 30 and 60 frames per
1: second. But somewhere around there is, is I, all I the human I can see. What's that? I agree. You can tell a difference between 30. and I mean, even when you're editing, you can tell a huge difference between 24, 30, and 60. So, Right. I'll bring that up for a reason. Let me
0: show you why I bring that up. Let me see if I can share a screen here. I had it all set up before the show, and I must have turned it off or something. Here we go. We got we got something beautiful to watch. We got some subwoofers I Apologize for the really crappy footage. It was um, my, my GoPro lens was dirty, but this is uh, the kicker uh, Comp Thin Box that I just reviewed on my channel, and um, everyone loves watching subwoofers flex. And I'm getting, I don't know I'm getting just a little bit annoyed every time I play a video with a subwoofer flexing. I get comments that make me kind of facepalm a little bit. Um, For example, this is an enclosure with a passive radiator, and you're going to notice that the subwoofer and the passive radiator never move at the same time. I've got the audio killed, y'all, because it's not not a it's not cop- it's it's not copyright free music. So, do you notice, Nick, as this moves that they're not moving together at the same time?
1: Yeah, I can tell that.
0: All right. So every time I do a passive radiator video, someone always chimes in and says, hey, man, those things are out of phase. And I would like to know your reaction to that, Nick. They,
1: well, they are. Right. They are. (laughs) I mean, they they are. I I mean, you know, I mean, we're, we're always talking about this. I mean, one's a passive radiator, one's a, once the subwoofer and, you know what a lot of people are interested thinking about is that you actually have voice coils hooked up on both of these, right? And since you have both voice, and if you did have voice coils hooked on both these and they were hooked up out of phase, you would be getting, you know, obviously terrible sound, you'll get a lot of cancellation out there, right? Right. Um, but what they're failing to realize is what a passive radiator does, I think. Right. And so um, a super main
0: super ranger mud truck says that when the sub goes in, the passive goes out. That's actually not true either. Well, it is.
1: It is. It is,
0: but it's not. To
1: yeah, to an
0: extent, <laughs> right? To an extent, and and I bring it up because what happens with a with a passive radiator is relevant for what we're going to talk about tonight. Because we're going to talk about how to make bass, and we're specifically going to talk about uh, how how to make um, how to make bass when you've got a small space, right? When you don't have a lot of 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 room to operate in, and that's kind of what my idea for our topic was tonight. So, what's going on with a with a passive radiator is it's literally the exact same thing that's going on with a port. Um, as the subwoofer moves back and forth, the air in the port or the cone of the passive radiator will resonate, and so they don't move at the exact same time. There are going to be a little bit out of phase, and in fact, when you're right at the uh, tuning frequency they're going to be in phase but the passive is going to be one cycle behind and what you're seeing here when you see these two cones moving at opposite rates one of them is really not moving one is is you're hitting a, a zone where the subwoofer is not moving a lot but the passive is resonating a lot and moving a lot and when people look at this and say hey you've heard people say this in youtube comments you've got two subwoofers i can see they're out of phase No, you can't. We're talking about something that's moving at somewhere between 20 and 60 frames per second, and it's being filmed with a camera that's probably 30 frames per second. You can't see if these two things are actually out of phase. Your eyes will not be able to pick that up. You need a laser to know that. You need something like a clipple. What do you think, Nick? Am I crazy?
1: I honestly haven't studied that nearly enough to know to be honest, I, you know, you're talking about video capturing video and things of that nature where I haven't really paid attention to be honest with you, but possible. I mean, you seem to know what you're talking about. I just, I really don't know how to add anything to well, that. Well, uh, someone,
0: I, I, I explained that in my last video, right? You're, you're, you're seeing these things moving at different rates and, and the whole, Hey, it's in phase, it's out of phase. That's not what's happening here at all. Uh, And then someone commented that, Oh, look, you can tell that these subwoofers are non-linear by the way they move. And again, you can't see with the naked eye if a subwoofer is linear. The only way you can see that is if you've got something like a clipple, or is it a kipple or a clipple hooked up to it? What are your thoughts on that? It's a rant I wanted to go on. Sorry. You know,
1: I, once again, I don't know. I, I've definitely seen video where the subwoofer does wave. Uh. And that would be more of if you're taking an overhead shot, right? So if you're taking an overhead, like more of an overhead shot from where you are now, more like an angle coming down, you can obviously see where the surround waves. And I, you can obviously see that where it does look like that it is not linear at all. Now, whether that's actually the case or not, I don't know. I've never recorded anything that looks like that. It's usually when people are doing very, very high excursion videos. And it's probably ones where we're going to talk about later, where they have unloaded the subwoofer, where they mm-hmm. have played it way below tuning frequency. And so it probably is actually doing that. But or I don't could know. Could
0: that just be the the shutter roll? Right, because as the sensor on the camera doesn't read the entire image at once, it kind of scans, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, once again, that's where you're talking out of my lingo, really. All so right. I don't know. <laughs> All right. then. Fair enough. I'm sorry. I would love to add more to it and be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about sure. Sher- if we had Hi-Fi Vega on here, he could he would be the guy to ask for that. But I'm I, I'm just not the guy.
0: OK, well, I just I wanted to rant for a minute because it's just kind of a. I mean, you, you you're watching a YouTube video. It's it's really hard to know what it is you're watching. Yeah, Brian Steele, if it's playing a pure sine wave, it's a lot easier to tell if it's in or out of phase. Oh, well, this is not a pure sine wave. It's, um, it's um, it's I forget who it was. I think it may have been Techmaster PEV. Uh, so good music. I like his stuff. Lots of bass-heavy stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, either way, I think that the more, more important thing that we're talking about is you can't really tell how good the bass is or subwoofer is by viewing it on video. Right. (laughs) You just can't. (laughs) Yeah, And that's that's true because a lot of people want to see that excursion. They want to see all those things moving and they think that that somehow is going to tell them how good the subwoofer is. And that's just crazy thought.
0: Hey, here's a question. You might know the answer to this. What's the ideal target frequency for a bass guitar cabinet?
1: I have no idea. Probably 50 hertz would be my guess, but I really don't know.
0: I was going to say around 40 or 50 hertz, because there's going to be some some subharmonics, right, with a, with a bass guitar. But you're not going to get a whole lot going on below below 40 or 50 hertz with a bass guitar. So if you were to tune it around 40 hertz, and if you were to go into a music store and look at their bass cabinets, they've all got tiny ports.
1: So here's what I would tell you. Here's what I did. I, I worked with Eminence to build a an electric guitar cabinet. I didn't know much about it. I did a lot of research. I talked to the experts at Eminence. They helped steer me in the right direction when I was building it and designing it. So if I was me, they have great audio equipment for just that for like bass guitars and things like I would talk to them and see if they have an idea of what they would recommend and they would probably ask you what type of music and stuff you're playing which would probably make a difference. I just I really don't know cuz I've only built one guitar amplifier. And it was a full, you know, it was for like an electric guitar, electric acoustic, actually. So I'm definitely no expert at that. All right. I'm going to start
0: a comment because I see a question that I want to answer later when we get to it. All right. Okay. (laughs) All right, then. Well, that's that's cool. So, Nick, um, if someone were to walk up to you and say, I don't know anything about subwoofers, but I want. Lots and lots of bass, either in my home theater or in my car or
1: whatever the environment might be. What would you tell them? First of all, uh, Sound Doctor. Yes, I said Eminence. Eminence is a, a speaker manufacturer that does a lot of guitar amplifiers. Celestion does too, but Eminence is the one that I'm more uh, familiar with for guitars. Of course, like it's it's a, I only did one. So, it's
0: a it's an American company. Eminence is. Uh, they are based out of a town called eminence
1: in Kentucky. It is. Yeah. It's not even that far from me. I need to go do a tour there. I need to talk to Jerry McNutt and talk. I, in fact, I need to contact Jerry. I need to contact him like this, like this week. I have not talked to him in a while and I need to, uh, what was the question again? i sorry. I forgot uh, the, question the question. was
0: now. if, uh, if someone walked up to you, just ran a person off the street and said, I know you, you're a speaker guy. I want some bass in my car or in my home theater. And I just want a lot of base. What would you tell them? What, what would you, what was the first thing you'd tell them?
1: I would first ask what their budget is because you need to know their budget. But I mean, the real question I'd want to know first is what are they going after? Like, what are their goals? Uh, you know, so what are your budgetary goals? What are your goals for cabinet size? What are your goals for, you know, how far down low do you want to get? Because, like, doing a car is completely different than doing a home subwoofer typically. Um, cause you're worried more about cabin grain than you are in like a, a home subwoofer. You know, what type of bass do you listen to? What type of quality are you going after all those types of things that I want to know, because that's going to change what we're going for. Like if they're saying, Hey, I'm a two channel music guy and I just want a subwoofer that's small. It that goes to my corner. Then, Hey, yeah, I know that we're going to go with something high quality, something probably sealed with a DSP of some kind. And then we're going to go with something that, uh, has a, a small group delay so that way they can get a nice tight base get it real fast to master two channel listening but if they want a home theater they want a big box you know i'm gonna say hey why don't we go multiple subs and and put them around or depending on their room size maybe just do one large one but do a large one something with a lot of sd a lot of surface diameter something like a 21 inch or an 18 inch you know if they can fit that in there and then we can go with you know, we can talk about what subwoofer after that. Well, there you go. All right. That's Uh, the show guys. That's, (laughs) That's you know, I mean, that's, that's what I would do. What would you do?
0: I think, well, first of all, I would, like you said, ask them what it is they want to try to accomplish because, you know, it's it's all relative, right? I saw I saw Andy in the comments earlier, living loud with Andy, and he uh, went to a competition. He posted up a score on Facebook, and he missed he missed the number he was shooting for by 0.3 dB. He was shooting for like a one fifty, and he got like a one forty nine point seven. And uh, and the comment that I made on that post was one hundred and forty nine point seven dB is really loud. Um, that's, that's, that's seriously loud. And we lose perspective. I think loud. (laughs) What's that? That's ear hearing damaging loud. Oh yeah, absolutely. And he, he hit, he hit that at like 35 Hertz or something like that. Um, and it's one of those things where the first thing you've got to ask is kind of like, what's, what's your expectation when you say you want a lot of bass, because, maybe you want a lot of bass. And then you look at, um, you know, the, the, that cookie monster bill with that massive kicker subwoofer and all that blue shag carpet and 147 DB and you're like, you might, you might look at that and say, no, no, that's too much. Or you might look at that and say, oh, that's a good start. Can we get more than that? Right. And that's the first thing is what do you mean by you want a lot of bass? Um,
1: yeah, regular guy, Audio said it pretty well. He said, Hey, I'm interested in what a person thinks base is before I offer advice. And by the way, David, thank you, David. Thank you, David. (laughs) Appreciate that. And yeah, guys hit that, hit that thumbs up. Like guys, we really appreciate that. Thanks for the super chat. That's always appreciated. We really do love that. I like how The orange,
0: uh, the $20 super chat is orange. It looks like they're all color coded and it matches my kicker shirt that I'm wearing tonight. I grabbed this bright orange kicker shirt today.
1: (laughs) It does. Uh, but I like what regular guy audio says, because we were talking about this even before the show. And I said, Hey, look, I think the truth of the matter is a lot of people, especially if they've only been in the car audio scene, right. Don't know really what good bass can sound like. Mm-hmm. And I'm not knocking out car audio at all, but most car audio is, is really only about SPL. They don't care about your residents. They don't care about what, uh how, how much port chuffing you may or may not have they care about how loud can i get it in this car most of the time they don't even care if their trunk is blowing apart you know and i i'm not saying a lot of the guys on the chat are different i know a lot of the guys in the chat do sound quality bills and things of that nature and they mat their cars they do a lot of things that just a regular joe doesn't do but i'm talking about like just a normal guy and so for me that's where I'd want to start off is like, what do you think bass is? Because if you think bass is that, then you know I want to take them over up in my theater and and play them some bass that shakes their whole body and they don't hear it,
0: you know. Right, that's an entirely different thing. Yes, <laughs> an entirely different thing. Um, again, David, thank you so much for the super chat. We we surely do appreciate those super chats. Um, I, I just saw a comment that I'm going to have to respond to. Uh, Blake said that the orange kicker shirt looks like an Oklahoma State-themed kicker shirt. And that probably makes sense because they're in the same town as Oklahoma State. They're in Stillwater. So that oh. kind of makes sense. Uh, that's that's the most logical thing I've seen all day, actually. I understand, I understand this crazy-looking orange shirt the kicker put out. <laughs> um, cool. Where were we? You were talking about the difference between home theater and car audio.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying... Yeah, <laughs> living loud with Andy. This is for the 0.3 decibel. <laughs> Appreciate the shout out, man. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get that
0: 0.3D. You just got to roll a window down or, I don't know, just turn your jaw a certain way when you're in the car or something. You know how it is when you're trying to go to those SPL numbers? You move one little thing and it changes the numbers. Because um, it's really about building pressure in that case. One of the things that I've, I'm running into with my vehicle as I, is it's getting older. It's 18 years old now. And that truck rattles like mad. Uh, it's just, you know, you can't, it's not like a trunk build that's rattling from the outside of it, but the door panels are rattling and I'm going to have to do some serious chasing down some rattles this summer because I'd like to upgrade the base in that truck and get something a little bit louder in there. And it's not going to do any good unless I chase down the rattles. I've got a, uh, the door lock on the passenger side rattles and that's, it's really getting to annoy me. I've been meaning to take the door panel off and, and start working on that. So that's on my to-do list for this summer.
1: So I want to talk to Blake uh, Brockhouse. He said, yeah, yeah." I've had lots of people tell me that I changed their perspective of what bass can be. And I have two. One of the guys in the chat right now is um, Bass That Hurts. Is that what it is? You'll uh, You'll you'll see him here in a minute. But he's a friend of mine. We built him uh, two 15-inch subwoofers. They're Dayton Audio Reference Series. Let me see if I can get a picture up of them. Actually, here we go. Let me share that yeah there it is Bass it hurts i love my two 15s. and oh those reference 15s are so nice with the uh, al- aluminum cone i can't see aluminum
0: you <laughs> can't
1: see well here's the deal so here they are his is these blue ones up here okay the the one below is the uh, css audio yes 12 inch with a dual passive radios probably one of the best sounding subwoofers I've heard in a long time, it's very, very great sounding until it's not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like until, until you give it too much power and then you're like, Whoa, turn it down. But it's, it's amazing how clean it is until you give it too much power. And then there's the MX 15, but that those 15s, he had a bunch of different subwoofers before that, that were all commercially made. And then we built him these DIY 15 inch reference. We did a very low tuning. So these typically only tuned to like 30, 35 Hertz. We did uh, an extended bass shelf and brought it down to, I think like 25, 22 Hertz, somewhere in that range. And then, um, and then EQ'd it down. And the first time he turned those on, like it almost stopped his heart, I think. Cause you're, you're playing 20 inch bass that you have, you don't hear and you're like, (laughs) and we were watching the beginning of uh, the day after tomorrow. And he was just, in awe of what those things did uh and i was we were using a crown xti amplifier for it and it was just crazy and then of course he decided he didn't have enough bass so then he wanted to hook up his definitive towers so he hooked up his definitive technology towers and those and my mx15 <laughs> and then i left the room i'm like all right that's too much bass man. <laughs> i can't stay <laughs> in here anymore i will die so so
0: so one thing that I've noticed is that when you're talking about, hey, if I want to make a lot of bass, you're like, here's a good example, a pair of 15s. What What is the advantage to going up in, in size? You mentioned SD earlier. Tell us what SD is.
1: Well, SD just stands for like, a, well, let's put it this way. Let's put it in, in terminology that people will understand. Uh, imagine a small fan pushing amount of air. It's only going to push so much air, right? Now, if you get a bigger fan, even if it's running the same wattage, same everything, it's going to push a lot more air, right? So when we talk about a larger subwoofer, the larger diameter of the subwoofer, along with the more excursion, allows you to push more air. Now, on top of that, now that we if we add multiple subs in a room, assuming that we can keep them in phase, like close to each other within phase, right, then we're adding more of that so we're going to get even more air pushing and then it's going to energize more room and what a lot of people will call that is eventually you can get to the point uh, where you can completely energize the room and that's what you're trying to go for you know when we,
0: a home theater it's that generating that pressure and shaking everything right so what it, what it boils down to the the short way of thinking about this is is area is king if you want a lot of base one way to do it is to have a lot of big drivers
1: yeah, cone area a- along with you know you're you're also wanting to move areas. so you do want the X max as well to a certain degree. Okay, you know, so and then big but,
0: big sug woofers with lots of throw, and that means you're gonna need lots of power to drive them.
1: Yeah, unless you go with something like a PA driver, because you can do a PA driver which has a lot higher sensitivity. The the disadvantage that typically is their FS is pretty low. So they're gonna tune pretty pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so you're gonna to have to do a lot of EQ work. But gotcha. you don't need to give it nearly as much power. So you have that trade-off.
0: And they and they usually don't have the X Max, the PA drivers.
1: Right, exactly. But they have such typically such higher efficiency that you can get away with it. And when you're talking about like putting like a 21-inch driver sealed in your room, you're gonna get a lot of room gain. <laughs> so <laughs> keep that in mind too. <laughs> you know, just so- EQ it out.
0: You did an in table build with a big PA driver. Is that right? I,
1: well, it was a 15 inch.
0: Yeah. That's a big driver. A 15 is huge, right?
1: Yeah, it was a 15 inch. And once, once again, you know, when you want to do these types of builds, um, here, I'll get a picture of it right up. When you want to do these types of builds, like with a PA driver and you're going ported, most of the time you're going to do what we call an extended base shelf response. So this was, a you can tell I was working on the house there. I had to trim off and everything. (laughs) I was trying to hide that from the video. I should have just like, I don't know, Photoshopped it out, but I didn't really care. This was before we painted everything and everything. Um, But yeah, I I did that one. It's 15 inch down firing. But if you do the extended base shelf, once again, you can do that and then you just EQ it out. Oh, thank you. Nice. Uh
0: thank you, Super Ranger Mud Truck, for the super chat. Uh, you know, even the small super chats like the dollar ninety nine are, are big to some people and they're big to me. And I'll take a dollar ninety nine super chat anytime uh, I because I appreciate it. Because when someone's gonna reach in their pocket and give us money like that, that's just I don't know. That just tells me that I'm doing something right. And I like to know that I'm doing something right. So thank you super ranger mud truck for the super chat. And I'm always afraid I'm going to pronounce the name wrong. I'm pretty sure it's Joaquin Joaquin Juarez. It's one of my patrons as well. So thank you so much for the uh, $20 super chat. We sure appreciate that a whole lot.
1: Uh, it makes a big difference. So, you know, Brian Steele. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, we, we really do appreciate the super chats. It really does help keep us going. So Brian Steele had said, you know, Hey, but you're going to start cutting away the efficiency sort of, I mean, It all depends on how your room plays with it, right? You got to figure out how your room plays with it, because that's one of the things that a lot of people aren't thinking about. You know, they're doing an anechoically flat response, but your 20 hertz, your 30 hertz, those are much longer waves that usually allow you to get a little bit of a boost in those regions. So if you do an extended base shelf response of negative three or maybe even negative six decibels, and you take a 99 decibel sensitivity driver, you're still only down to 93 decibels on that driver, which is significantly more than most subwoofers, which are, what, 83, 84? Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on which one we're talking about. Some can be as high as 86 or whatnot, but uh, typically you have that. So, you know, it all depends on what you're going for. So... um
0: so a big cone area, right? Big cone area, lots of throw, lots of X Max, right? Called a big subwoofer, lots of cone area, lots of throw. That's how you that's how you make the big base. And uh and then you need um uh you need a big enclosure as well. And uh, actually, Brian still mentioned it a second ago. He mentioned uh, Hoffman's Iron Law. I love Hoffman's Iron Law. I did a video on that. Hoffman's <laughs> That's a great video, too. If
1: anyone yeah, hasn't watched I mean, it, they should watch this it. This
0: guy yeah. worked on the Manhattan Project, for goodness sakes. So, I mean, this guy <laughs> yeah. was pretty impressive. Oh, uh, You know, Hoffman's dad was um, uh, was a, like, a world-class either. concert musician in his day. Um, really? Yeah, concert pianist. Like, may have been, like, the best in the world. And... Uh Hoffman's dad uh invented a lot of really cool stuff too. So he was a bit of a polymath. So it's like the guy's dad was a genius, and so was he. So uh so but uh dude, yeah, you can't beat Hoffman's iron law. It's just it's an iron law for a reason. If you want to get really low and get really loud and have have the big bass, you've got to have
1: a huge drivers in a big box. And and what we've been talking about too is somewhat DSP and room gain and larger drivers have made up for that because with a larger driver, you're going to get a little bit more room. So 21 inch driver, you get some DSP. It's, it's interesting to see how those play out in a room versus, you know, a 12 inch driver, but you're, you're right. Typically much, much bigger box, much bigger, like that 15 inch I built was what? 5.3 cubic foot for the MX 15. And by the way, I love that subwoofer. The, The MX 15. Yeah.
0: Let me, did, well, uh, for let me
1: 200 see. bucks, it's a great subwoofer. It's there's nothing here. It is. It's the orange one, obviously.
0: Uh yeah, that's the MX. Uh, that that uh, that MX driver from Parts Express. Uh, one thing I like about it is it has a really cool high roll surround that doesn't look. It's almost V shaped. I've never seen a subwoofer with a surround that looks like that. Nick, have you ever seen one with a surround that looks like that? Which one? Oh, the, in the MX series? The MX series. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've seen a few, but I can't remember which ones, but you're right. It is more, it's, it's designed for maximum excursion. It looks like you said, the V on it. I, I like the drive. I think the driver's sharp looking. I love <laughs> the parabolic look to it. I really do. I know some people don't like it, but I, I really have enjoyed it. I, um,
0: I like subwoofers that have just, That look boring, right? Plain, simple cones. Right. I don't like um, I don't like I think about the uh, back in the in the early aughts, the Sony Explod subwoofers that were red and kind of uh, uh, Pentagon shaped. It's like, uh, come on, let's just (laughs) I was trying
1: trying to find one because Parts Express used to sell the the Titans. You ever see the Titans?
0: Uh, I've seen them. Yeah. I mean, that was a long time ago and they made the Titans. Right. And were they were they silver coned or something?
1: No, nah, they used to do one that was like uh purple with like all kinds of yellow and speckles all in Oh yeah, yeah, those. I think, I think they were yeah. called Titan. They they may have been called something else, but I thought they were called Titan. They, yeah, I Titan think they were just did buyouts that they had, yep. but they, they were really ugly.
0: So uh, I wish Rob was still on the show with us cuz he could he could tell us about those uh Hi-Fi Vega actually a few it's been a couple of years now for I think the um the the $150 SPL ch- challenge, he built a box with like a gazillion of those cheap drivers in it, and they're like $10 subwoofers. He put like 40,000 of them in a big, huge box and he came Oh, the yeah, I remember one. that. He did yeah. the spider paint job. That's right.
1: <laughs> hey, I like what Brian said. He said, last build I did was a 12-inch driver and a one-cubic-foot sealed box doing 30 hertz, obviously for Neil Nearfield seeing, but it sounded pretty decent. I think that's cool. There were a lot of people that were using, uh, I think they were Alpine... 12 inch Alpines that were really cheap back in the day. They were like 60 bucks a piece and they're using them for near field for that particular reason. And they were like amazing for that. But um, I've, I've never, uh, I've never, uh, I mean, I don't know. It sounds good. I, I don't, I don't know that I've done very many near, I've done a couple near fields. I was never real happy with them, but I think that's cool. It's a cool idea. So Nick,
0: here's the question for you. I hope it's not too early to get to the the question. All right, so it, if you just if you want big base, big driver, lots of space. Let me let me share a picture. I want to see it. Let's see if I can share a picture here. I have a
1: fi- I have a feeling that this is going to be hilarious. What? Oh, okay. It's well, not what <laughs> I thought at all. Now.
0: All right, guys, i am going to tell y'all on the live stream the the inside story here real quick. Um Um, my kicker 12 inch box right here, I took several pictures of it and uh, as just, you know, stuff to put in the last video, uh, my cat has torn the ever living hell out of this box. And so I, I went in and photoshopped all the damage out of that big enclosure. Um, I need to find some way to get the cat out of the garage or get me out of the garage or something. Because every time I make a subwoofer enclosure, if it's carpeted, it's now a scratching post. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You could just <laughs> get she likes to cat. lay on top of subwoofer boxes. I don't know why. It's your favorite thing in the world. And then cat hair is all over. them, I and that just kind of ruins it. Is me. it
1: playing when she's r- sitting on it? Uh, or-
0: no, no. It's just, I it. I just, you know, I, I stick it out of the way while I work on the next one uh, because I feel like I, I work on them more than listen to them these days. <laughs> I don't have right. any subs in my truck at the moment. Um, so the box on the bottom, you know, kicker says two and a quarter inch is what you, uh, two and a quarter cubic feet, excuse me, is what you need. Um, I I I did two and a half cubic feet for this one, so I went a little bit bigger uh, than what Kicker would would have recommended, because I know Hoffman's Iron law, law, and I know that if I want big base, bigger box. So I got a 12, and it's in a an oversized box. So why not just put my drivers Nick in just huge boxes, even if it is just a 12?
1: Well, there's a couple reasons. Um, there's a lot of reasons why well first of all let's just assume a large shield box first of all uh you get less power handling so the larger the box the less power handling so that's going to be your biggest disadvantage there and that's not because of heat buildup that's because of excursion yeah you you'll start having mechan- you'll hit your mechanical limits faster uh and obviously each subwoofer is going to be dependent on where and what frequency that's at but you're going to hit it faster the larger the box is. now if we talk ported box the larger the box typically the longer the port in order to keep chuffing down right and then when you get the longer port you mean you mean a bigger port opening to keep chuffing down longer port longer well yeah so but when we talk about longer ports in general we start talking about a resonant frequency that you start going to have problems with your first port resonance and then when you start having prop that that's the biggest thing that i would tell people that they usually don't have that. They don't think about is first port resonance. And if you care about sound quality at all, you should pay attention to your first port resonance. And typically you want that to be at least double wherever you want to put your low pass at. So if you're doing a THX theater, eighty, it needs to be at least at 160 Hertz to hopefully not hear that resonance. If it's any lower than that, you risk hearing it. And if it's at 80 Hertz, then you're going to hear it for sure. You know, um, so, you know, it's a trade-off when you're building it for power handling and then your port resonance. And that's not that's not chuffing. That
0: is where the port itself is resonating as opposed to what exactly.
1: Yeah, you'll actually hear the port. You'll hear the port. You'll hear resonance inside there. So I I don't know how to explain resonance if you've never heard resonance, but it it's, you know, you'll hear the sound wave of the resonance in there. And that's not, it's not good. Now, it'll only be in that frequency range, but you'll still hear it and it's not good. You can hear it. If you've heard a bad sub with port resonance. you'll know if you haven't, then I'm surprised because if you've owned probably about any commercial subwoofer, you should have heard port resonance by now. If you've turned it up loud enough.
0: Nicholas Tavar has an interesting question at DIY. Were you serious about making a bass band? Uh, No, 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 not, not at all. Um, And so the kind of backstory behind that is uh, Doug Bernard's uh, AKA sound man, uh, once through me, through me, some mentioned me in a video, uh, and, and mentioned that I should make a base van. And I responded by showing a clip with a minivan in the background. Uh, that was my wife's old minivan. It was on its last legs, it was traded in shortly after I took that, uh, <laughs> film that video. Um, and so, um, so, uh, no, no, I'm not going to make a base van. Think about making a base van, like a serious base van build. That is a huge endeavor. Uh, just take a look at how long it's taken both um, EXO and and Doug you know, uh, to build theirs. They've been working on them for a year and a half each, and they're not done yet. So, I'm not in a position to destroy a, a minivan or a full-size van or any vehicle for that matter, and I, I, it'll take me four or five years to actually build one. So Andy had a question. Does port resonance sound like cancellation?
1: It does not. But what I would do is tell you to just go ahead and look up a video. I'm sure there's a video on port resonance. If, you, if you're if you not sh- sure if you've heard it before, go ahead and look up a video. You'll know it when you've heard it. And I'll tell you this too. You can pick it up on DATS. Uh, if you run DATS, you'll see resonance inside your impedance as well. And depending on how bad that resonance is, it'll depend on how bad that impedance peak is. Yeah. And, you know, Brian Steele said something and I do want to I do want to say it because he's right, by the way. He said uh, port resonance is dependent on both box dimension and port dimension, which is true. And I did a bad job explaining that. And he's absolutely right. So depending on the size box, depending on the size port that you have, depending on the tuning frequency that you're going for is all going to affect your port resonance. But you you need to pay attention to that. And a lot of people do not. And that's one of the things where I'd go back to car audio is one of those things that is often not looked at. But when you're starting to go for sound quality, that's one of those things where you need to pay more attention to.
0: So we've we've talked about if we wanted to make a
1: lot of bass, what we
0: need to do. And we've talked about, okay. the question now is, what do I do when I don't have a lot of space?
1: Uh, I like that. So, by the way, I like that cart underneath you. Oh, you like that? Yeah, US General blue one. That's not Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah, that's uh that's a Harbor Freight cart. Um they've got a whole lineup of those US Generals and I I, I joined their um, what do you call that thing where you pay extra to get more coupons from Harbor Freight? <laughs> Why uh, the hell would you want to pay extra chat. to get um, um, and so every time I get a good coupon deal, I run out and I buy another one of these cause I'm trying to, uh, trying to improve my toolbox situation cause my tools are terribly organized at the moment. Uh, so I've added two of those little, little, um, uh, little boxes right there. So I hope to add the top, sh- top chest to go on top of them soon. Yeah. Um, I might have a better shot of the cart if you want to see the tool cart. I mean,
1: it's the, it's not the cart. It's an actual toolbox. Well, why don't you look for that? But first let's ask the, que- what was the question again? I don't remember. I just. thought uh, about small, if you have a small space.
0: Okay. So now we've talked about, you know, you need a big box to make a lot of base. Can you make box, can you make base in a small space? What, what can you do when you're limited on space? So if someone came to you and said, I've only got about a cubic foot of space to make a subwoofer box, what would you do?
1: Tell them to buy a new house. <laughs> Well, first of all, we talk about a car, uh, I mean, a car home. I mean, that's one cubic foot and a car is not that small.
0: Uh, No, not for a car. No. I mean, that's.
1: I'm like, yeah, one cubic foot. That's not bad. Uh, Yeah. I mean, at one cubic foot, it's hard to say without knowing the actual box and, and whatever you want. But what I would typically say is, once again, Give me your goals. And then once you give me your goals, we'll figure out what we want to do. But one cubic foot, you could do a lot of things. I mean, look at the dinos behind you. Those are 0.3 cubic foot. You could get, you could put like two of those in one box with two passive radiators for under one cubic foot and be doing really good. You know, getting down to about 35 hertz is what that would tune to 32, 35 hertz. You know, if you're expecting to get 20 hertz, you know, you're probably out of luck with a one cubic foot box most of the time unless you can find a really big subwoofer that can do a point I don't even know how you would do that. But, you know, DSP would probably be the best way and maybe sealed. So one of the things that um,
0: Isobaric that I think, would be a good way too. Yeah. Jason, yeah. Isobaric.
1: It has to be a good way too.
0: Isobaric. Right, right. Isobaric would help because you did an Isobaric enclosure with those four 10-inch GRS subwoofers. And the logic behind that is everything else held equal when you do isobaric, you cut the size of the enclosure in half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Brian Steele said, use a driver with large Xbox and handle lots of power and EQ away. And, and he's right. Or, and you can also, you know, look to see which one has the strongest uh, driving uh, motor and see which one has the strongest motor. And then, once again, you know EQ away. You know you'll you'll want to do a lot. If you're doing that, I mean, almost always you're going to have to figure out what's going on in your room because so you're going to want a measurement microphone of some kind to measure that and then EQ away. Or you can get the new Dayton Audio APA 1200 DSP, which auto DSPs it. You can do something like that too. I, um, many many DSP they don't have an auto DSP one yet, do they? Um. They don't unless you
0: upgrade and, and you want to drop like a thousand dollars on a DSP with Dirac Live.
1: Oh right, yeah, right. That's, I mean, isn't so that cool. like an eight channel or something like that too? Right, the, the, I think
0: the they've got a couple Mini DSP does uh, that does the Dirac thing. One of them, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but Mini DSP actually has a multi-channel amplifier uh, DSP. Like a, it's like eight channels of amplification, so you can you can go the Mini DSP route. You just got to drop a thousand dollars on. <laughs> On one That's with cool. the Dirac, and so it'll it'll
1: automatically adjust for you. But beyond that, I'm not aware of any, no. Yeah. That's something I think we're going to see a lot more of coming up. I, I really do believe we're going to see a lot more of that because it's becoming seemingly easier and easier to implement.
0: I so mean, if you take is- a look
1: at even what Parts Express sells, that little DSPLF for 50 bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it might be so more now because inflation. But- Brandon Shelton has a question. Can any subwoofer
0: work in an isobaric enclosure – and the answer to that question is yes, but <laughs> is it worth it or not? Is the yeah. is the, is a problem, right? Because um bear immediately means you have to buy two subwoofers and it if you already have plenty of extra subwoofers laying around uh, a buddy of mine back in, back in high school, uh, he had four 10 inch MTX blue thunders in uh, behind the seat of his regular cab Ford Ranger. You talk about base in a tight space. It was sealed. Looking back, I don't think it sounded good, but boy, was, <laughs> was it impressive? Um, <laughs> and when he traded vehicles, uh, he moved to a, a, a Pontiac grand dam and he had the subwoofers. And he's like, what am I going to do with these four 10s? He kind of wanted to pull back from the heavy base stuff. And he ended up going with uh,
1: isobaric enclosure because he already had the drivers. So, yeah. And here's the deal. For those that don't know, isobaric, it basically cuts your uh, space in half. So whatever your box size was. So if your box size was two cubic feet, now it'll be one cubic feet. I put four, for example. So I put four of those 10 inch in an isobaric enclosure and ended up with the exact same volume. Of enclosure that I would for one for the same tuning frequency that's doing. Now, where I think this might actually make a lot of sense, which I've never done, but it sounds very interesting, would be using PA drivers that you want to tune low, because they're already eight ohm almost always. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to anyway to run up four ohm or to maximize your power, and then that would PA drivers since they're high efficiency. Hoffman's iron law says we're going to have a huge box if we want to tune low, so that would minimize that, and usually. They're fairly, you know, a court, well, compared to subwoofers, I should say, they're fairly reasonably priced. So it would it would make sense to try one. I don't know which one, maybe the PA four hundred and sixty by Dayton Audio, something like mm-hmm.
0: that. I mean, it'd so, be interesting. You know the you know the um, uh, getsum has has commented need to run twice the power in ISO to get the same SPL because what happens with uh, with an isobaric is you don't get the advantage of three more dB of gain from doubling the cone area. So then isobaric you double the motor force and and maintain the same cone area. Right. And so because you maintain the same cone area, you you end up losing you know, you, you'd get louder if it were just two subwoofers in a in an enclosure, uh, all 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 other things equal. And so the idea is you go isobaric because you can cut the size of the enclosure in half. And that's true for ported or sealed enclosures, isn't it, Nick?
1: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter which one. And there's different types of isobaric But most people will put them face-to-face, you know. That's the easiest one to do.
0: Yep, clamshell style. And we saw that more back in, like, the 90s, you know,
1: really the old school stuff, because the subwoofers were different then.
0: Now subwoofers have stronger motors.
1: Yeah, but I am thinking, you know, like what Brian Steele said, power is cheap these days. No one's just going to give you that extra driver, which is true. But that's why I'm thinking – the best spot would be PA drivers because PA drivers, if you want, they are already high efficiency. And if you want to get down low with them, they just take a huge box. So if you can half the size and use two of them and they're reasonably priced, that might allow you to get something like that inside your house for, you know, relatively reasonably priced. I mean, I think those PA four sixties are like a hundred or 120, 130 bucks or something. And, An eighteen-inch and that's eighteen-inch driver and an eighteen-inch Ultimax is what two two thirty. So you're basically at the same price. So behind me over here, I've got a selection of small
0: enclosures. Uh, Um, PA four
1: sixties went up to one sixty. So I guess okay. Well, no, they said mm, I don't know. They're somewhere in that range. They might be.
0: I've got a collection of small enclosures behind me uh, because I've been thinking a lot over the last few years of how do you get a lot of bass in a small space. And on this side over here is uh, a Tangban W6. Oh, yeah, and that's in a half of a cubic foot enclosure. and I forget what it was tuned to. The plans are available if you if you click in the shelf below my videos, uh, the plans for that's available through the spring store for like 10 or fifteen bucks or something. Um, and what was interesting about that build, I'd never really built an enclosure that small before, but in order to get the port tuned like I wanted, as the I learned that as the enclosure gets smaller, the port has to get longer for the same tuning frequency. And so the port in that thing goes all the way across the top, all the way down the back and wraps all and wraps around. The port wraps around all three sides of the enclosure. Um, so when you start to make the enclosure really small, in order to maintain the same tuning frequency, the port has to get really long. Well, if the port has to get really long, that means that the total outside volume of the enclosure has to go up. And so when you start to make, there's like a limit to how small you can make an enclosure
1: before the port gets ridiculously long. And the, and the longer your port, which is what I was saying earlier, the longer your port, the more, the lower your port resonance. Mm-hmm. So assuming, you know, so assuming and, you're keeping the same tuning, you know, that type of thing. And you have
0: to keep the port opening big enough so that you don't have chuffing. Yeah. So it gets it gets to be a real challenge because one one thing you could do is make the port opening smaller in order to make the port shorter. Well, then you get chuffing.
1: Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh we we had a great discussion on the forum about this because we were talking about hey, what size do I want to make the MX fifteen? And so one had said, hey, why don't you do a four cubic foot box? And I someone else said, and then I I came up with the five point three, and once again, it it comes down to what is it that your goals of this project because the four would give me i I think it was 160 hertz for force resonance where the 5.3 gives me 226 the four might give me a little bit more power handling maybe but it wasn't enough and for me um and and the rear port air velocity was something but for me it it just made more sense to go with the 5.3 once i added you know a high pass on there pretty much get rid of all my rear port, air velocity, everything else. So to me, it just made more sense to do that. But it's a really good good thing to look at between the sizes. You go smaller, great, but you might have trouble with first port resonance. So the other
0: thing, I'll grab this right here. This is probably one of my favorite things ever. This is the, um, um, they call them precision ports, the parts express cells. And it's a flared port. If some people call them aero ports, precision, precision ports, a brand name. Um, I like these because they got a good, a good online calculator. So if you're worried about chuffing, man, the, that flare, that fixes the chuffing. And so because of that, you can use a smaller opening, which means you can use a shorter port, which means you have to worry less about the pipe resonance in the port. And it takes up less space in the enclosure. So one way you can save some overall space of the enclosure is to switch to an aeroport.
1: Yeah, I like those. Well, the cool thing about the airport too is, uh, you know, anytime you, like you said, you can save some chuffing in it. You do have to be careful about when you make the port length because only about half of the aeroport is actually counted in the length.
0: Right. That's, that's, yeah. When you've got a flared port. Um, so the flare starts about here. And so half the flare belongs to the port. Half the flare belongs to the outside air. Same, same is true. If you want to do one of those fancy curve style enclosures. Curf. Curf, right. That's where you make the little curve cuts and
1: bend the, bend the wood. Mm, uh, you you really shouldn't do more than about 30 meters per second with a flared port. Typically you're going for 17 meters per second. So I, I, I mean, once know, again, we're talking about, if we're talking about sound quality. Th- this time and, last and year, I would have
0: agreed with you, but I think that that 17 meters per second is really, really restrictive. I think well, you can said, get away with
1: more. Should, yeah, that's what you should aim for. Well, you know why you can get away with more? I'll tell you why you can get away with more. And this is what a lot of people don't don't consider. One, when you're modeling in Win ISD, most of the time, you don't have your high pass put on. Put a high pass mm-hmm. on there. It's going to show you what's going on to that that uh, that port velocity. Two, if you look at your port air velocity on Win ISD, it shows it based off of frequency. A lot of right. people don't realize that. on frequency. So, yes, and based off the power that you have inputted on your signal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for example, like I always put it at 800 Watts total wattage or whatever, the total wattage of the thing that I think I'm going to give it to. So if I'm going to give it 800 Watts, that's what I'm modeling maximum. Cause that, then I know worst case scenario, this is what's going to happen.
0: I, you mean 80%. I always do 80%. I, so I, if I,
1: I do a hundred percent because that's worst case scenario. And then I, then I down it from there. Okay. After I've designed the box, but if I can get a port, that I can get under 17 meters per second and my first port residence where I want it to at hundred percent that I'm fine. Cause some dynamic scenes might go a little over, but most of the time you're not hitting that 800 Watts either, or that, you know, if my hundred says 800 Watts, you're not actually hitting it. You're hitting you know, I like four or 500.
0: The, the I'm, I've been kind of experimenting with this a little bit. The video that I just put out, uh, I got some footage with the handheld lamp dyno and I was, I was driving while that was going on and I was, uh, I was cranking that thing up. I was playing, I forget what I was. I was thinking I was playing some nine inch nails, uh, closer, uh, by nine inch nails. Are you familiar with the song? No. I don't know. I like that one because the way the, I don't know, it's just a great demo song. And I was just hammering away at it. I had the thing set up with way too much gain overlap. And I still never actually saw 180 Watts of power at any given moment on that subwoofer. And I'm sitting here thinking, I probably could have juice this up a little bit more because now I can actually see what it's getting. And that's the beauty of that little handheld amp dyno. You know for sure what kind of power you're getting at any given moment, but you're right. I mean, you're never, ever getting all the power out of your amplifier
1: yeah so for example the the way that i designed it with a 20 hertz high pass fourth order on it right oh actually that actually says i never let me see what the signal is real quick okay 800 watts it's saying i'm never getting in there but there i have built some where it says that i'm gonna have problems but i i never do because i never run it it never runs full tilt you know mm-hmm. it never goes to 800 i never go like if 800 watts is my full tilt power it never hits it. And if it does, it's not hitting it within those frequencies, those small frequencies that it would. And so, you know, once again, all right. See you, David, man. It was great. Thanks again for everything, man. We appreciate you. Thank you. So anyway, that's my rant for the day. All right. Okay.
0: So, as the box gets smaller, the port gets longer, gets harder to get the port in. You know, aeroports are great, but I like slot ports better because they're just easier to deal with, right? They're, it's actually easier to get one to fit inside an enclosure because you can have one of the outside walls as part of the port, which is what I wanted to circle around to in our discussion tonight. Eventually, you hit a point where the enclosure gets so small where the only option
1: you have is a passive radiator. Yeah, and passive radiators are for a couple reasons. You know, a lot of people will say passive radiators are only good for a small box. And that's partially true, you know, but the reason why that typically is, is because the port gets too long. And when your port gets too long, we know the two things that happen. One, fitting it in the small box, which you just mentioned. And then two, your first port residence, which a lot of people don't pay attention to. Right. So you're right. And
0: what I would say instead is it's not that you only only that they only work in a small box. It's that why spend 60 bucks on this thing that looks like a
1: subwoofer when you've got a box where you can easily fit a port. Well, and it's not, that's the other thing. It's not a small box. So typically when you're designing a passive radiator, we've talked about this before is when you're designing it. And when I take what, like if Parse express tells you, Hey, a good ported, enclosure would be one cubic foot box put one cubic foot in there when you're designing the passive radiator most of the time that's going to be pretty close to optimum mm-hmm. you know, whatever the ported one is the basically why you're saving the space is because you're getting rid of all the added space the box is going to have for port length port size and length all right i was going to try
0: to show a starred comment and i lost it so i won't do it <laughs> <laughs> I'm Trying to learn how to use the Streamyard interface a little more effectively today, and have, have failed at it. Uh, but the question someone had asked earlier, and I forget who it was, uh, when you when you add um, a passive radiator, how does it impact the? Um, The total airspace of the enclosure, and the way I've always done it is, I've just assumed that it hasn't, and I don't actually model any change because it'll be just very minimal, especially as once from a kicker, these kicker passive radiators. I keep pointing over to the picture on my screen over here, (laughs) and instead of showing you the picture on my screen, these kicker passive radiators. Heck, I got one right back here. Hang on. These these kicker passive radiators. Um, they don't have anything to them besides just the cone, uh, and these in the surround. And so something like this isn't going to change the volume of the enclosure enough to actually, actually matter. Um, uh, high five Vega. He's like Beetlejuice. You say his name, uh, three, say his name three times and he shows up. So we've been talking about you all night, brother. <laughs> Good to anyway, see you
1: in the beginning. you have to watch the beginning again, because I said, you should be here because I don't know the answers to these questions. <laughs> <laughs> um and so no these don't have any impact on the enclosure volume
0: uh at all so uh, don't have to really worry about that
1: and I like what, can i uh, brandon said so an isobaric and a passive radio that would be actually pretty cool i saw that an isobaric and a passive radio. that'd be interesting I, i'd like to see one i mean that that's a lot of money in drivers
0: yeah again it's if you just i don't know kicker sent me these and so maybe uh maybe i can get my hands on another one of their thin drivers and, and make a make a make this little enclosure right here even thinner by uh, using an isobaric passive radiator
1: oh my gosh that thing would be like yeah I, you couldn't fit all the drivers on it like right so wait what so I, I i cut you off what were you what were you saying then um i was gonna
0: go answer another question actually well um Okay. Well, all right. Go ahead. Do your question. Well, one 12 version reproduced low bass like 30 hertz. Uh, it's one on my list for price and size. And so what I want to say about that is from what I can tell, the 12 inch version, Kicker actually did test the 12 inch version. It's probably tuned to closer to 40 hertz. And what that means is that it's going to have a difficult time getting much lower than that. Can it play a 30 Hertz note? Yes, it can, but you're probably going to be down. Oh, if we're tuned 40 Hertz and it's a 24 decibel per octave roll off, I mean, you're down 12 decibels by the time you get to 30 Hertz. Um, so you got significantly diminished output. And that's the other thing we were kind of circling around. It all boils down to Hoffman's iron law. Basically, you can be low, you can be loud, or you can be small, pick any two of them. And so whenever you go this route with a really small enclosure like this, uh, you, you're, you know you're subject to the
1: iron law. So it's small well, let's, and let's
0: clarify
1: loud because it's not loud. It's efficient,
0: efficient. That's correct. Efficient would be the correct word, which means for a given amount of power, how loud does it play? Um, so you can be efficient, you can be low or you can be small. And so I, I know, will it produce 30 Hertz? Yeah. Will it produce 30 Hertz with authority? Um, unlikely, um, <laughs> um but what I said in my video, you know, try maybe two of them, uh, uh, then you'll have more cone area and, uh, and, and more power. So that's, that's the, you know, they're not uh, perfect enclosures. They're enclosures for imperfect situations where you just don't have the room to do
1: everything you might want to do. Absolutely. I have, I've never used any of the kicker, but I need to get some kicker stuff for my vehicle sometime. I don't know. Just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to go kicker. I, but it'd be interesting. So here's what I want to mention, too. This is something we did not talk about. But a lot of people want to know, like, how can I get the most musical subwoofer with group delay? So I'm just going to mention the three types of uh, subwoofer boxes that you mostly use. And then I'm going to mention which one is best with group delay. And I'm also going to mention which one has the steepest roll off. OK, so group delay. You have sealed. Let's let's do it this way. Sealed, ported and passive radiator group delay, best group delay, sealed second best, ported, third best, passive radiator. Most people think passive radiator is number two, but it's, it's actually not. It's actually number three. All right. Now for the uh, other three things which are, um, what did I say? Pass- oh, roll off. The steepest roll off is passive radiator. Okay. Mm-hmm, passive radiator mm-hmm. is going to, that means you're going to get the least amount of room gain out of it. Five okay?
0: decibel proc octave roll off. Yeah. I'm, not, uh, not, I'm sorry, not I, five. It's a it's a fifth, fifth order, order, so it's going to yeah. be 30 like, decibels per octave roll-off. Sorry.
1: I, I was just thinking if I wanted to correct you or not, I was like, uh, I'll just...
0: No, no, no. I, okay. If I'm wrong, say so. I knew yeah, I was wrong as right. soon as I said it.
1: And then a subwoofer would be the next one. I'm sorry, ported would be the next one. <laughs> ported. Right. And that's and then, a fourth
0: order, so a 24 decibel per octave roll-off.
1: Which is typically why you want to extend your base shelf or something of that nature. And then your third is sealed sealed does the last which is successful. so
0: or 12 and the the difference as far as playing logos is that the sealed will roll off sooner
1: yes the sealed right. roll off much sooner so you are hoping for either he q which does affect group delay or right. you're you're hoping for um a lot of room gain you know Yeah, I, I said six, and then I said, I mean, 12. I fixed it, but you're right. Yep. <laughs> I know. I was like, what did I just say? We both we both made a fifth, five decibel, and. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's
0: just words. Words don't mean anything.
1: Uh, doesn't matter. But you're right.
0: All right. Well, Nick, we are. Uh, okay. Let's answer this question real quick. You answer. Because, I'm
1: tired of answering. I'm
0: tired. Okay. So, so, um, group delay, it's something that is, a, uh, it's an audio problem in general. Um, it basically is what a way of describing or a way of quantifying whenever you have a signal going out to your speakers, the delay in the sound coming out of the speakers is the best way I can think of it. And what ends up happening with a ported driver, uh, for example, at tuning frequency, both the port and the passive radiator are going to be playing uh, one cycle behind the active driver. And so that port is going to be pumping sound out after the active driver stops. And so you get this like delay in the signal. Uh, that's the best way I can think to describe it. So you do have this delay that's frequency dependent. And some people say they can hear it, and some people say it makes a, a ported subwoofer sound sloppy. Uh, me, personally, because you can get more low-end extension and more SPL of a ported
1: subwoofer, I don't care. <laughs> um. yeah. So, yeah, and group delay, so what a lot of people will say for group delay, why they like it low in a subwoofer is because they say it sounds more musical. It It allows the subwoofer to be faster. You know, that's what people are going to say. So when you hear someone say, hey, my subwoofer's faster, I don't have, you know, that's what they're talking about when they're talking about that group delay.
0: And I, I think a lot of people who try to claim that a sealed subwoofer is fast and tight, it's just you're, you're only hearing mid-bass. You're not getting the low stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, you know. And there's there's a lot of discussion on whether group delay really makes a difference. And if you do a good sealed or good, I'm sorry, ported, is it as good as a good sealed my opinion, most of the time, yes, but there's some people that really want to go for that. And if you want to go for that, you're you're going to be looking for a sealed sub.
0: There's a specific type of, of EQ that people use when they use a sealed subwoofer. Is it a Chevy shift transformation or something like that? Nick, does that sound familiar? Where people will Chevy basically... Uh, go in and use EQ to to boost the low frequencies in a ported enclosure, which, of course, is going to impact your, your power handling. But that's people who are really the sound quality crazies. Um, I shouldn't call people crazy, but the people who are the sound quality crazies who say, go sealed and use use the EQ to fix it, are making the argument because they say there's less group delay. But when you add EQ, you add group delay. Any Any signal modification you
1: do is going to add group delay. All right. I guess... That was, a, that was a good one. I liked I liked this one. This was a good episode. I think there was a lot of good good information out there. Yeah. Looks like there was we a had- lot of great comments in the comment section, I thought.
0: Yeah, been a fun night. Been a fun night. So um, I, it, we've been at it for a little over an hour. We try to keep these down to, uh, to an hour. So, um, Nick, is there anything you want to add as we wrap it up?
1: Well, I want to comment on High Fly Vegas before I say anything. He said, audio is exclusive trade-offs. Uh, one hour up. Ah, can't move it get moving. do you have is exclusively trade offs. You just have to choose which trade offs are acceptable to you. And here's the deal: next week, we're actually going to be talking about those trade offs and what those trade offs might look like. And we'll be having a special guest in Elliot Dyson, who's usually here. He's not here today, and we'll be talking with him about those trade offs. Now, it's kind of cool to be talking with him because he does have uh, a sound engineering degree. He's going through school for that, so it'll be good. Um, now. Yeah, I have a lot of things going on. I've got a lot of different things going on right now. Um, a lot of you guys know that, unfortunately, I, I had we had a, a death in the family. And so I've been away for a couple of weeks trying working with that. Um, and so, um, you know, it's very unexpected. So um, I, I haven't got any videos out, so I'm going to be working really hard on getting some videos out to you guys. Uh I needed to take care of some other things first, though. They were a little more pressing. Well, a lot more pressing, really. All right. Well, um, (laughs) uh, sorry to hear about your
0: your loss, Nick. Um, I definitely know the stress that goes on whenever you've got a death in the family. Even if it's someone who's not terribly close, like a distant cousin, you got to travel to funerals and stuff like that. There's always stress that's put out there. Um, And so we are all sorry to hear that. Um, as far as what's been going on on my channel, I, I feel like I'm terribly behind. I've got a top secret project I've been working on that uh, is nearing completion. And so there'll be some official announcements about that top secret project very soon. And uh, I've got two things sitting on my desk I need to work on. I have uh, actually two amplifiers from Airlick that I need to review. And now that I've got an amp, I know I can actually test their power. And I've got one of those cool DSP boards from Dayton Audio that uh, I'm, I found out some cool new features of those things. Uh, this last week when I was tinkering with them, but both those videos need to be put out soon. And cause there's two companies who've sent me stuff and want to see the video. So uh, <laughs> one of those will come out next week. I don't know which one it'll depend on what I get done tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually have, you know, now that you say it, I have these by SMSL, the HO 100 and the DO 100, which are oh yeah. uh, headphone amplifier and DAC I'm really excited about doing a, a video on these because the last one I tested, they're great. I love them. The, they're the I'm actually using them right now. The Do two hundred and Ho two hundred, but they're very expensive. And these are like the budget friendly version. So I'm kind of excited to see if they stack up. I mean, I'm sure they won't be as good, but these are so good that I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty excited to see what how these will work. And thank you to Brian
0: Steele for correcting me. The Linkowitz Transform is the EQ that I uh, I called it something wrong. So Linkowitz Transformation is the EQ that you apply to your sealed subwoofer. All right. And I think with that, Nick, what do you say we go ahead and
1: wrap it up and sign off? Sound good? Do we want to mention the news today or no? Let's wait. We're waiting. All right. We got waiting. <laughs> All right, guys. Yep. No, I have nothing else to say then. All right. Well, we are out. See ya.